0: We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. This morning I just want to share to you this little, this little blue book. And simply all that I ask on the front, would you like to know God as your friend? And maybe some of you here this morning have never really thought about what it means to have God as your friend. I want to ask you a question. You can write the answer down there in your notebook or in the forefront of your mind On a scale from zero to hundred zero being absolutely Unsure or a hundred percent being absolutely sure if you were died die day or Christ were to come back How sure of you that you would go to heaven? Write that answer down Is it 10 20 50 80 90 percent a hundred percent Write that down in your mind And then I want you to ask yourself a question. If you said, I'm 100% sure that if I were to die today or Jesus Christ were to come back, that I would go to heaven. The next question I want to ask you is, if, if you had to stand before God and God said, so and so, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell him? What would be your answer, your response? And I hope as we look through this little blue book that gives us five key points to follow as we share our faith and to understand the truth of the gospel, that you'll be able to look at your answer that you've written down or that's in your mind. That you would have said to God, This is why you should let me into heaven, Lord. And I hope that we can look at that. Well, if we look in this book, there's some on the counter if you want to pick one up before you leave. God created man to have friendship with his self. It says that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And God's creation is really described in the first two chapters of Genesis with the height of his creation being man and woman that makes him to be his friend. And really man is unique. He was a new, uh, unique creation by God. Genesis two seven says, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. He's unique. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created man. Male and female he created them. And God saw that what he had made, and behold, it was very good, it says in Genesis one twenty seven. And so God created people with perfect bodies, with minds that would never get sick or old or die. And he put them in a perfect, beautiful garden, Garden of Eden. And there was no pain nor no sorrow. What's unique about that is God created man with a free will, a freedom to choose. He was not made like some program robot. But with a free will. And he was created in the image of God with the ability to think for himself or herself to make their own decisions. But really free will presupposes that one has a choice. And so God gave man a choice over what he could and could not do. And really we still have that choice today. And so he placed him in that garden and he told him, and from the From the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. And listen, man man died that day just as God had predicted. He died immediately in his spirit. And began to age and die physically because he had partaken of the forbidden fruit. And unless corrected, this man ultimately, he would die for all of eternity. Away from the presence of God. And so man chose to disobey God, and it was severed in this relationship, and so we see that the Bible teaches all people have sinned. All people Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word sin there is hamartia. It's the Greek word. And as an outdoorsman, I like hunting and fishing. But this gives an illustration of a bow hunter as he's reaching out to shoot his target. And his purpose is to hit the bullseye. But hamartia means he's missed the mark. And so we've all missed the mark we've fallen short of the glory of God. And you may say, well, we've fallen short of the glory of God, but I live up to certain people's expectations. Well, you know, I may not be as good as Jesus, but, you know, I'm I'm as good as the Pope or Mother Teresa or some figure that, that is a good person. And they're up here. The problem is, is Jesus is up at the roof. The Bible says we all fall short of His glory. And so men sin. Because we sin, all have sinned. Sin brings death and separation from God. For the wages of sin is death. Have you ever thought about that? The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. It is a wage. It's something you've earned. And each one of us have earned death. Because we've all sinned. Now that's pretty gruesome information. But it gets better as we continue to look through this little book. Men's sin brings judgment, for God warns that someday He will be. 2 uh, Thessalonians 1.8.9 says, Dealing out the retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. From the glory of his power, listen, the reality is is one day Christ is coming, and the Bible teaches, if you are not in Christ, there is eternal destruction. Man's best attempts throughout life fall short of reestablishing that friendship with God. Well, Stuart, listen, I'm going to be honest with you, I've lived a good life. I've never killed anyone. I- I- I've never really done anything wrong. let me ask you a question. Have you ever stolen anything? Don't answer out loud. (laughs) Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever looked at a woman in lust? Well listen, that's just three. That makes you a lie thieving adulteress. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and our sin separates us from God. And man's best attempts fall short of reestablishing that relationship. And so imagine a canyon here on this side is the holy God, and on this side is sinful man, and there's a canyon that separates the two. And man, in his best attempts, tries to reach God all the time. He falls short. No good works can reach over to God. No religion can reach over to God. No philosophy or morality. Nothing can reach God. Well, Stuart, how do we get there? You know, what, what reason am I doing all these things for? Why am I trying to live a good life? Well, that's a good question. What is the purpose? Our sin separates us from God and keeps us from having God as our friend. Man's way, listen, is contrary to God's plan. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right, To a man, but in the end, leads to death. It may seem logical, it may seem right, that good deeds can help solve the problem of this sin, this separation from God. But good, listen, good deeds cannot satisfy God's justice and holiness as it relates to the penalty of sin in our lives. And that is death. It's a wage, you've earned it. And works, you will never get it. And Isaiah understood it. He figured it out in Isaiah 59 too. And he says, but your iniquities, your sin, your failures have, have made a separation between you and your God. And this third principle that we're fixing to look at explains God's initiative, God's love. And that he reestablished a relationship. God's love moved him. Not us. Not our good works. There's nothing we can do to reestablish that. But God in his grace, in his mercy, moved himself to take the initiative to reestablish this friendship with men. God's love. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that God first loved us and sent His Son. 1 John 4.10 What a wonderful message. And then one of the most known verses in the Bible is John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Listen, this message may not be for you this morning. You already may be a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, Take this message and go spread the news as they sang this morning. Some of you may be sitting in your seat and you've never personally accepted the love of Jesus that he offered by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. And you can do that this morning. But listen eternal life is, is more than this heaven. We don't need to come to Christ for fire insurance, that's what we have all state for. He says, truly, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me has eternal life. You know, when we look at Scripture, and we try to understand Scripture, and we look at it word by word, in depth, in study, it says that he has eternal life. That's in the present tense. Now, he has eternal life to those who believe. John 17, 3 says this Now this is eternal life, that you may know you have, that you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom have sent. Listen, knowing about God is different than knowing God. Eternal life is described in the present tense, and you can have it right now. It's not something you have to wait till you're on your deathbed. You can have it right now today Because eternal life is more than heaven. It's a friendship with God It's a relationship Much like my relationship with my wife There's value in relationship We did a wedding here yesterday David and Rebecca united into one flesh There's a relationship. It brings joy that's the same thing we get with the Father. It's joy in that relationship. And listen, many confess Christianity. If we did a poll and we walked in this community and said, Hey, sir, let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian? It would scare you if how many people said, Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Listen, they are many, there are many people who profess Christianity, but they do not embrace Christ. It says this, Enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide. The way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those who find it. It sounds like there's more going down than there is going up. But in our culture, everybody claims to be going up. Something doesn't equal outright. We have work to do as believers. God is the, God has, listen, God doesn't need us to save people. He did that on the cross. But we are the tools, we are the the units in which he uses to reach people with the gospel of Christ. When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you led somebody from beginning to end the plan of salvation and they've trusted and asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior? They say statistically about 85 to 90% of Christians will never share their faith. What are we doing? If that statistic's true, what are we doing? What joy do we have? What what good news do we have that is so good that we keep it to ourselves? Millions and millions and millions of people acknowledge certain facts about Jesus Christ. And so they think that makes them a Christian. But it's not enough to believe about Christ. James 2 19 and Luke 8 13 tells us that we must believe in Christ There's a big difference The fourth principle that we're looking at now is going to explain this important distinction Jesus Christ listen is the only solution to man's broken relationship with God and only through him can we have true genuine forgiveness of our sins where we've all fallen short. Do you realize when Christ went to Calvary on the cross, he took your place? Each individual person. He took mine, he took yours, he took every single person's place. And that's why it says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that, while yet we were sinners... Christ died needlessly. Christ died for us, excuse me. The Lord Jesus was not dying for his sins because he was sinless, but he was dying for the sins of humanity. So, how do you truly believe? Do you believe about God or do you believe in God, in Christ? He rose from the dead as it has been prophesied in the Old Testament. We don't have a blind faith. He appeared to over 500 people after his resurrection. Listen, if 500 people said, you did a crime, you're going to jail. 500 people claim that we saw the risen Messiah after he had died on the cross at Calvary. Yet we shake it off. If 500 people said you did a crime any one of us would be guilty and we'd go to jail Christ died for our sins he was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve and after he appeared to more than five hundred his resurrection is truly proof of his deity who he claimed to be in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he claimed to be God from the very beginning and this is proof of his deity that he rose from the dead. And being the only sinless person qualified to take our place, to die on our behalf, God the Son can claim to be the only way to the Father. And that's why we see in John fourteen six, he says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In Acts fourteen or four twelve says this: There is no salvation in anyone else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which you must be saved. Listen, I tell you, it's, you know it's amazing as I sit up here and I share the gospel, I get to see every person's expression on their face. And the reality, is some of you don't want to hear this this morning, you got other things to do. You got. I need to get out of here and go to lunch. I need to do this, I need to do that, it's fine. It still doesn't change the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the message in which will save you for eternity. You can walk out of these doors and you can come up with some faults theological implication about how you're going to be one day in heaven with God and it's man-made and there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end leads to death. Let me tell you, the message is Jesus Christ. He is the only sacrifice that we can have truth in life and eternal life with Him. There is no authority in which you can say you can be saved any other way except by your human logic. So I suggest you listen up this morning and pray that God would open your heart and give you the ability to see because listen, this message is foolishness to those that are perishing. If this message is foolish to you this morning, that's what the scripture says. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But the great mercy in God is that He delivered me from what I used to be into the man that He's making me to be. And I have, can rejoice because I have a genuine, true relationship with my Savior. And that's where my joy is found, in Christ alone. Not in my wealth, not in my circumstances. My hope is in Christ. My peace is in Christ. My joy is in Christ. It's why it's Christ everywhere, all the time in my life. And I hope that you can get that this morning. Because when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, one day you will be old. You will stand before death. And you'll say, what, what, what's going to happen to me? Are you going to put your theological thought process on man? Or are you going to look on something that stood the test of time for 2,000 years? The Bible's never been disproved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And he did that on the cross. And if there was a canyon here, the only way from holy God to sinful man or sinful man to holy God is the cross of Christ. Is the bridge which gets you to God. Listen, Galatians 2.21 says this, For if we could be saved by keeping the law, then there's no need for Christ to die. If we could be good enough as people, Jesus Christ didn't need to go to the cross. If I had murdered my wife's brother, and and I was going into a court case and the judge was going to condemn me to life in prison, but yet my brother Christian over here steps in on my behalf. And he says, you know what? Judge, listen. Don't give him life. I'm going to take his life sentence on myself. And so now Christian is in jail for life. And I walk out of that courthouse, and I stand on the steps, and you look at me and you go, how did you get out? What happened? They freed you? Oh, yeah. They changed their mind. I've lived a good life. I didn't really harm anybody. I didn't really do anything wrong, but I've lived a good life and so they let me go. Imagine how a Christian would feel. It'd be a slap in the face because he put his life on the line. Well, that's what we do when we say we work our way to heaven. We slap Jesus in the face and say, get down off the cross. You didn't need to go there. I can do it myself. He made him Christ, who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, when God sees me, He sees me as holy and perfect. I'm a sinful man and I will be till the day I die. But the difference is is when God looks at me, He sees Christ because He who knew no sin became sin on my behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So when God sees me, He sees Jesus Christ. If you or outside of Christ, God sees you for who you are. Sinful. Separated. In need of a Savior. And I ask you this morning on a scale from zero to 100, hundred, zero being absolutely unsure, hundred percent being absolutely sure if you were to die today or Christ were to come back, how sure that you would go to heaven. If you said hundred percent, and you had to stand before God, and God said, what, why should I let you into heaven? There's four typical responses about 98% of the time. And these are the four. Number one, there's no response at all. Well, what would I say to God? I mean, he's God. I'm, I'm steward. And, I mean, if I had to stand before God, what would I say? I wouldn't say anything. That's the incorrect answer. If you didn't know. I hope you have more assurance of your salvation than that. Some may say, well, I've, I've done good works. I, you know, I help people. I give money. I come to church. I read my Bible. All those things seem good, but if that's where we base our salvation off, it's the works that are saving us, not Jesus. Works equals salvation. That's not the right answer either. It falls short of God's perfection. The most common one is, well, I believe in Jesus Christ and I do good works. They add to it. They say faith plus good works equals salvation. Is that the right answer? No. It's not the right answer. And I declare this morning, I think the right answer is faith alone in Christ equals salvation. Faith that Jesus Christ, his price he paid on that cross when he said to die, he said it is finished. It is finished. That means there's nothing you can do to accomplish your salvation. It was done on the cross. And there's great joy in that. There's great joy to know that we don't have to accomplish something in our life, but that Christ did all the work for us. We simply have to believe in Christ. Put our faith in Christ. Good works don't save us. They don't even help save us. They are simply evidence of a fruit of true conversion. A good tree don't produce bad fruit. A bad tree don't produce good fruit. Listen. John 15 talks about this. We're in Christ. We'll produce good fruit. Our salvation doesn't, is not a prerequisite for good works. Good works is not a prerequisite for salvation. It's a byproduct of what God has done in you. Doing through you. And it's to His glory and His honor that we can do anything Good. However, to have God as your friend, you must respond by receiving Jesus Christ. We must receive Christ. There's nowhere in Scripture that says accept Christ. I know we use the terminology, but in our culture, and in our time, we need to be very specific. There's nowhere in Scripture that says accept Jesus Christ into your heart. No, it says receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. We receive Christ how? Through faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of ourselves, it's a free gift. Not by works, lest no man boast. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And so, we must respond to the remedy of God. It's not enough to know intellectually that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross in the place of our sins. You remember in the story in Mark, it says, the demons believed and trembled. They believed in God. They knew who Christ was. Son of God, they called him. They understood who he was. They had an intellectual knowledge, though, that don't make the demons believers and followers of Christ. It's not, some, it's not enough to have some kind of emotional experience. We're emotional people. And the Bible says, above all else, the heart is wicked. It's not an emotional experience don't save us. We must act out of the free will in which God has given us to turn to God from our sins. Repentance. Ask Jesus Christ, forgive me, for I know that I'm a sinner. That's one of the hardest things to do is for man to say, you know what, I, I can't do it. I know God, I'm a, I, I just need to be like a child and come to God and say, I can't do it on my own. And I'm going to trust in you, I'm going to put my faith in you, that you... And your death on the cross and resurrection was enough to forgive us so that we might have peace with God and know God as a friend. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you over here with holy God? Cleansed? United? Joined? Forgiven? God's friend? Or do you still place yourself over here with sinful man? Separated? Stained? Stained? Listen, everybody's sinful. The difference is, is those who are in Christ are considered holy before God. And that's why we can say, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Are you with sinful man or with holy God? I can't answer that. Only you can as an individual. The question is, where would you like to be? Well, you know, Stuart, I'm not really sure where I want to be yet. I'm not really sure about this God thing. That's okay. That's a good place to be. At least question it. You can't deny it until you look at it. It's like saying, uh, you know, this food's horrible. We well, never tasted it. You've got to try it before you can say it's nasty. Well, you've got to study it before you can say it's not true. you got to look into it. Allow God to to mold you and work in you. Listen, you can do that today. You can receive Christ right now, today, by faith. Faith is simply taking God at His Word by believing that what He has promised. And He has promised that to those who believe, whoever calls upon His name shall be saved. And one way to express that faith to God is through a prayer. I'm not a big pray to God and receive Him today. That's that's not my personality. That's not my theological. But I think one way that God, you can show your true faith is by stepping out and praying to God, forgive me. And God will begin to work in you. And He will begin to grow you into a man of God. If you want to do that today, you bow your head right there in your seat and you say this prayer and you ask God to save you and you ask God to give you assurance of what he's done in your life because he who began a good work in you, he says, will finish it. And if you walk out of these doors and you begin to conform to the world and you begin to live your life like you've always lived and there's no change, and God doesn't begin to grow you and give you a hatred of sin in your life, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. Because it says that we are new creatures in Christ. The old is gone, behold the new is present. You can't have an impact with the Holy God and not be changed. There will be change. It may be subtle. And I'm not a fruit inspector. I'm simply saying, you must have the assurance that God has truly saved you. And if not, don't you fall into this trap. Well, I've prayed a prayer and I'm done. I've walked the aisle, I'm done. No, you pray to God, save me. Make sure your true faith in Christ is a genuine saving faith. Listen, the Bible promises eternal life to anyone who will receive Christ. If you will, bow with me this morning. Those who would like to receive Christ this morning, ask Christ, silence of your heart, that He would save you. Say, Lord Jesus, I understand that I'm a sinner. And I confess that that I can never be good enough to earn your forgiveness. And I thank you God that you left your domain in heaven to become a man and I thank you for dying on the cross in my place. For taking the punishment that I deserve as a person as a sinful man separated from God. And as the risen Lord I trust you now to forgive my sins and to give me the gift of eternal life. Now please make me to be what you want me to be. And I thank you for making me your friend. Amen.